Bread comes in many different varieties, but the only bread that nourishes our souls, hearts, and lives is Jesus Christ. Bread of Life is sponsored by the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. You can contact us by calling us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Join us now for the Bread of Life. Here's Joel Van Hoogen. We're on our last message in a consideration of a personal relationship with God. We ended our last broadcast saying that the key to a flourishing relationship with God is to love Him, and you may have thought that that summed it all up. Let's move on to a new course of study. But wait, there's one more thing to address, a really important thing. If a deep love is the secret ingredient to a growing relationship with God, what is it that would cause us to love God deeply? Well, the scripture reading was Luke 7, 36 through 50. 47 is one of the key phrases in that that I want to emphasize. The Lord Jesus says to Simon, Wherefore I say unto you, her sin, speaking of the sinful woman who had come and had just washed his feet with her tears and anointed him and kissed his feet. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. We've been considering over the summer this wonderful possibility of advancing in a personal relationship with the God of all creation. And this kind of seems to be my thought every week, that initially it was, I'm just going to preach one message on this topic. And then it was, well, I didn't really finish all that I had to say in that. And then after I preached the second message, it was, well, I've raised up a question in my mind that I think needs to be answered here for myself, and so I preached a third, and, well, wait, that brings up another issue and matter. I thought I would cap it all off with the message that we had last week. kind of came to the concluding matter. It was this, that love is the pathway or the gateway into an ever-deepening relationship with God. That love elicits a response from the one that we love, that leads us further and further into a knowing, growing relationship. And it's always true that if you love something or you love someone, it will reveal to you its truths. And the more you love it, the more it will reveal its truths to you. You want to understand your wife, love her. And all of a sudden, she'll begin to show you all that is within her and all that would cause you to love her even more. And that's true with anything. We talked about it. You take individuals who excel in certain subjects, and the reason they excel in those subjects is because, really, they love those subjects. And they give themselves to those subjects, and those subjects then begin to reveal to them their secrets. So that was a good way to stop. Love God. Love Him. And you'll grow in an ever-deep relationship with Him. And we're satisfied now, and we take a step back from what we've just said, and we think that we've finished this consideration of what it entails growing and establishing a deep personal relationship with God, and then a question comes across your mind. Wait a second. What is it that motivates or drives such a love in our lives? If the secret to growing in a deep relationship with God is to love Him, if the secret for God unfolding His life and His truth 
and His person to us in more and more wonderful ways so that our life becomes an exploration of Him, an expression of worship and reverence for Him, an enjoyment of Him, an encounter and a deep service to Him because we love Him. The real question is, what produces that kind of love? It's love that produces this kind of knowing and growing and deepening service and reverence. But then the question is, what produces that kind of love? And so there's at least another message that we've got to preach, right? There's a list a little bit more that we have to explore. Let's begin answering that question by first noting this. That a genuine, deep love is an excessive thing. A genuine, deep love is an excessive thing. We've kind of talked about this already. It's a thing that turns the one loving completely towards the object or the one or the thing that they love. And it causes them to render a kind of service in which they pour their lives out upon the thing that they love. This is the kind of love that produces, in a sense, a religion in your life. A deep commitment and reverence towards its object. I remember meeting with a young man who was in the faith and outside of the faith and loved Jesus one day and didn't follow the Lord Jesus the next day and his life was basically a trail of mediocrity descending down into a lower and lower standard of mediocrity. In this case, he was in a hospital because he had gone to a party and at the party he had been stabbed a couple of times, pierced his lung, but he wanted to walk with Jesus and didn't want to walk with Jesus. Anyhow, I met with him in his hospital room and I spoke to him and he wanted to know where he was going wrong and I said well I, you know what every once in a while you got to shake up the language that's being used in generations actually we've been talking about this we've been doing a series on having a personal relationship with God and yet this has kind of been an idea that's been consistent here for a number of years the idea that you have a relationship with Jesus you have a relationship with Jesus I asked the young man yes I have a relationship with Jesus. Well, let me suggest to you that that idea doesn't really have the kind of currency, the kind of power that it had at one time. Because nowadays, we have relationships with people that we text. We have relationships with people. We have all these friends on Facebook. They're all our friends. We can have thousands of friends, and they're our Facebook friends. We have all these relationships with people, and they come and they go, and we turn them over from one day to the next, and they're shallow and they're trivial. We're great friends with them one day, and we're complaining about the next day, and we talk behind them. And that's our relationships. That's the essence of our relationships nowadays. And so let me suggest to you that you need a more powerful word than having a relationship with the Lord Jesus. You know what you need? I said, you need Jesus to be your religion. You need to get really religious. And you need to be all religious about Jesus. He needs to be your religion, man. That's what you need. You don't need a relationship with Jesus anymore. You got a plenty of those and you abuse your relationships. There you were with your friends partying. They were the ones you had a relationship with and one of them stuck you with a knife. You got your relationship with Jesus and you've been literally sticking him all kinds of times. You've not been devoted to him in any way. He needs to be your religion. A love for Someone, a love for the Lord Jesus, causes you to render him a kind of self-abandonment where you give your life completely over to him. That's how our religion takes shape. This is illustrated in this woman who finds the Lord Jesus dining in the home of Simon the Pharisee. Love compels her to minister to Christ. 
It compels her to go not simply through the motions, but to lavish and to pour out a profuse expression of excessive, true love for him. She's actually practicing a wonderful kind of religion here and expressing the depth of what a real relationship with Jesus is all about. Here's the setting. The Lord Jesus is meeting in an open-air courtyard of the home of Simon. Simon is a well-to-do man and a powerful man, and he's heard about the growing fame of the Lord Jesus, and he desires, he wants the Lord Jesus to come and dine at his table. He likely is a person who collects the various celebrities that roll through his community, and he wants the people around him to see that he's the kind of man who has great people feast at his table, but that he's greater still. And so the Lord Jesus answers the request and goes to the man's house, and they're eating in this public area. And, you know, actually the custom was that they ate out in the open air, and when great men ate and dined together, it was done in such a way that the people in the community could gather around and listen into their conversations. And so the people in the community would gather around, hear what was going on, listen to the converse between Simon and the Lord Jesus. It was just the customary thing to do. Actually, there were three other things that were kind of customary that took place when you had a great guest or a guest come to your home. William Barclay talks about this. The first thing is that the host would receive the guest by placing his hand on the guest's shoulders and he would greet them with a kiss of peace or fellowship. The second thing is because the roads to Israel were just dust bogs and the shoes they wore were basically leather strapped to your feet with strips of cloth or leather themselves. You got really dirty, dusty feet. So the second thing you always did was you greeted them with somebody who was provided to wash their feet. The third thing that was always customary was that you took a pinch of a pleasant-smelling perfumed oil and you would lay a pinch of it upon the guest's head as a symbol of welcome and receiving into the fragrance of your home. These things would be particularly done if you wanted to honor the guest that you were receiving to your home. And Simon did none of these things for the Lord Jesus. Not one of them. Simon had failed to do what this woman, who we're told was a great sinner, did. This woman likely took note of the honor and the respect that was due to Jesus. The woman notices that the honor and respect that is due to the Lord Jesus has not been given. And as others in herself gather around to listen in on the conversation of these important men, she is overwhelmingly compelled to give to Christ what Simon had not as Jesus reclines at the table, propped up on his left arm, on his side, eating food with his right hand, with his feet trailing behind him, as was the custom of that day, this woman comes up from behind him and begins to wet his feet with her tears. She unbounds her hair, which was something that an Israelite woman would not do in public, but I'm sure this woman knows what her reputation has been among the people, and now she doesn't care. She unbounds her hair, and she begins to wash the Lord Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. And in abandoned love, she begins to put aside all sense of decorum. She begins to kiss his feet multiple times. She pours perfume and ointment upon them. I want you to pay attention to this act for a moment. And I want to point out something to you. As you see this act, I want you to compare it with something. There's a kind of Christianity that people practice in which they engage the Lord Jesus thinking of what the minimal efforts are required of their lives. Like Simon, they may want to have him at their table, but their servants to him is scant. 
They often calculate what is the least that they can do to accommodate his presence in their lives. They think about questions like, not what does Jesus require of me, but what will Jesus allow of me? Not what will please him, but what will he permit? But the person who truly loves the Lord Jesus expresses that love by going and acting in ways that go beyond decorum, that go beyond the simple lines that they draw and rules that they make. They see where others are not honoring Christ and they burn to give Him the honor that others are not. You actually may take note at times in your life that there are individuals who claim to know the Lord Jesus, but you see in their lives that He's not being honored by them. He's not being revered by Him. He's not being served or obeyed by Him as their profession should indicate. And in those moments, as it happens, there is a kind of indignation that rises up within you, and with it, a kind of determination that where these individuals might be calculating what is the minimal requirement that they have to give to the Lord Jesus and still claim somehow an interest in His life, you think to yourself, Lord, I want to give everything. I want to pour everything to You. What I'm suggesting here is that love feels a certain desire to increase honor where it sees that honor is being withheld. And when love is compelled in this way, And when it's compelled by love and not self-righteousness, you'll discover that when it's expressed, there's no pride taken in it. There's no sense of, well, I'll show them how to really love God. When it's love, it's an abandonment where you actually do things that people would think look a little crazy, look a little odd, and you don't care. What will people think is not a calculation for the love of God. What does Jesus want is... You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. If you'd like a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Thanks for joining us today. Until the next time, the Lord bless you.